Hello, West Tennessee, and welcome back to the Positive Living Podcast. My name is Katie McGill, and I'm the Marketing Relations Coordinator for the Positive Living Group, which is, as most of you know, a mental behavioral health clinic right here in Jackson, Tennessee. And I'm super excited to have our guests today that are with us. Emily, I am going to make you at least say your name on the podcast, so because <laughs> we're glad you're here, friend. Um, most, a lot of you may or may not know. Um, if you don't know, we're glad to educate you, and if you do know, we hope that you're raising awareness. This month is Suicide Prevention Month, and I could not be happier to have Lindsay Carr here um, to kind of talk to us about suicide prevention, awareness, And how we can get involved and not just be bystanders, right? So, Lindsay, introduce yourself. Tell West Tennessee a little bit about you. Oh, we also have Glenn Goff here today, too. I will not forget you, Glenn, ever. Uh, Yes. So, Glenn's here to kind of help us out with the counselor and therapist side of things. So, always happy to have you, Glenn, always. I'm happy to have Lindsay here as well. Yes. And I'll give you – I'll make my way around the table. How about that? So, Lindsay – Hi, so I'm, I'm Lindsay Carr. I'm the Southwest Regional Director for the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network. So it's a mouthful. A lot of people just call it TSPN. Um, essentially what I do in the day-to-day is cover an eight-county region. We're doing some restructuring. So I cover eight counties currently, and that's in Southwest Tennessee. And primarily, I do a lot of educating and raising awareness about mental health stigmas, suicide prevention awareness, obviously. Um, But we're a little bit more than just prevention because people here at Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network, they think it's solely prevention work. We do a lot with prevention, obviously, but there's also a lot of intervention and postvention work that goes into that as well. And so we do a little bit of everything, but most importantly, just kind of raising awareness and bringing light to a very, very stigmatized topic. Well, I know that it's such a blessing, the work that you do within, you know, Southwest Tennessee, and we're really grateful to have you here today and and to get your thoughts on all of these things, um, to hear about events and meetings, how people can get involved, Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we're really excited about that. So we have another guest here today, and she's not excited, um, but I'll just have her introduce herself and just her name and what she's doing with TSPN. Uh, yeah, my name's Emily Lunn. I have been a volunteer with TSPN alongside of Lindsay for probably about two years now. Um, recently, I became a QPR trainer, um, just to add that to a resume slash just, you know, however you want to say that, the docket. Um, I really enjoy volunteering with TSPN. I have a heart for suicide prevention, um, you know, decreasing that stigma. Um, it's been a passion of mine. I always tell Lindsay, like, if she ever wants to quit her job, let me know, because I'll just be the first <laughs> one to, to volunteer to take it right so out from under. You'll have to do podcasting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't know that was a part of it. <laughs> but I'll, um, you know. <laughs> Well, good thing we're working on it now. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm I'm super thankful that Lindsay lets me go alongside of her to things like this all the time. Um, and, yeah, so. Awesome. Well, you did a great job. I don't wow. know why you were nervous. You did amazing. <laughs> so, and next we have Glenn Goff. I'm really not a guest. But you are a guest. Glenn with but one in. One in. That's yeah. right. We one in. Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> I call him Glenn Coco, so. 
<laughs> well, I guess I go back with TSPN probably to about 2009, and I forget how far you and I go back, but you and I and TSPN go back to when you started, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to be on the intervention side with um, mobile crisis intervention, and uh, happy to be on the therapist side, and we do a little postvention and a little prevention as well with that, but I can't tell you how unique it is in uh, a state like Tennessee to have a public-private partnership like the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network that the resources as a clinician are invaluable and the report comes out when? The annual report? Uh, Usually around September. So Mm -hmm. there'll be brand new stats out. Obviously suicide unfortunately continues to go up typically year over year it trends upward but the information on who is most likely to um, complete an act of suicide or be at risk of suicide is invaluable so fully endorse TSPN and looking forward to Suicide Prevention Month 2022 yes 2022 still this is the year 2022 Glenn you're right (laughs) I'm glad you're with us (laughs) glad you're fully with us so what I'm going to do since we are recording this on a phone, full transparency. I will basically be moving the phone around so we don't have to like pass it in case somebody wants to interject. I can just kind of flip it back and forth. Does that work for you guys? Does that work for you guys listening? Of course it does because you're listening. So I want to start off with Lindsay, tell us a little bit about Suicide uh, Prevention Month and basically like the way it started, what we need to be aware of this month, why this month exists. Yeah, so just to give a little bit of history about TSPN and its involvement with this, um, we started just over 20 years ago, and it really was kind of an organic um, effort that came out of going to a national conference that Ken and Madge Tullis attended, and they brought it back to the state of Tennessee and said, you know, we have to do something about suicide rates in the state of Tennessee because we are slightly higher than the national average. We're not the the highest, but we're certainly not the lowest. So we do rank just above the average rate nationally. And so they said, you know, we want to do something about this. And that's where TSPN essentially was birthed and formed. And knowing that nationally Suicide Prevention Awareness Month was in September, we obviously want to take our part and do our part in being active and involved with that. And really for us as regional directors and as, you know, Grand Regions, we do a lot of different awareness events. And so historically, there's always been a statewide event that we host in the Nashville area that anybody and everybody can come to. And unfortunately, this year's event is already sold out. So we're We're at max capacity for this year, but in future years, we always encourage people to come out during the month of September to go to statewide events and just learn about what we're doing across the state of Tennessee because we have people coming from all different directions. But then within each smaller region, we usually host at least one, if not more, local events that people can be a part of. And that's just, again, to bring awareness and decrease stigmas and things like that to the topic of suicide. So this year for Southwest, you know, we'll be doing our annual sign campaign. And we started that back in 2019. We have a, a very passionate individual 
who lost her son to suicide and she's just taken a lot of that grief and that journey to empower others and you know help others realize that there's hope and that was kind of what birthed the sign campaign so we've been doing that for the past several years since 2019 um, but we do have things like that that are going on all across the the state um, many different events we get proclamations signed from mayors and different um, you know individuals in government just to declare that this really is an important issue in the community well and i'm sure that i'm not the only one listening out there that did not know that Tennessee's rate of suicide was slightly higher than the national average. So that is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to actually hear, especially from a professional. I mean, Mm -hmm. someone who constantly looks at stats and is constantly involved in this kind of work. That is heartbreaking um, to think about. And, you know, I feel like it's one of those things also where if it hasn't happened to you, you don't think about it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's with a lot of different things, right? But if you haven't had someone close to you within your family, within your friend group, within your church, within your whatever realm you're in, if you haven't had somebody close to you die by suicide, it's something we tend to just kind of not think about. And so to hear that the state of Tennessee ranks slightly higher than the national average is really hits hard, you know. Yeah, and and one of the things you're talking about, you know, if you haven't been personally affected, you may not think about it in the day-to-day, but one thing that Glenn and I know well as trainers is that we encourage people at the very beginning of trainings to really think about what things have influenced my thoughts about suicide or my beliefs and values about this topic. And you may not always realize it, especially if you've never had it happen to you. You may not realize that you carry different beliefs and values about the topic, but you really do. And it can be everything from religious beliefs that you have about suicide. It can be media influences, TV shows that you've watched, things you've seen on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You've got all kinds of different outlets that are pouring into you, or maybe it's just your culture. Maybe you grew up in a a family that didn't promote the topic of mental health as a normal conversation and stigmatized it in a really difficult way where it felt like, you know, I can't talk about these things and I can't be honest. And so every person listening to this podcast, whether you believe it or not, whether you realize it or not, you likely have some conscious and subconscious beliefs about this topic. Or thoughts in general, yeah, that have really become kind of solidified in your mind probably, right? Mm -hmm. So I hope that this is another kind of segue for parents, especially because we're just talking about families, parents or guardians, you know, in that aspect. Talk to your kids, talk to them. You know, I think a lot of times we forget that children are capable of understanding so much more than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. And so starting that conversation as soon as possible, just talking to them, checking in with them on their mental health every day. And it doesn't take an hour. It doesn't take even 15 minutes sometimes Mm -hmm. just to check in so that they're checking on themselves also, because that's a taught trait. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, something that we have to learn from other people is to check on ourselves and check on our own mental health. So Glenn, I'm kind of wanting your opinion as well from them. Mm -hmm clinical therapist counselor side of things yeah piggybacking off of that um idea that we all have thoughts and beliefs i think probably one of the things that's hardest for me to hear is when someone because there tends to be people in our communities in our families that are suicidal from time to time and maybe have attempted but thankfully we're not able to complete it so one of the most difficult things to hear is when someone says well if they really wanted to do it they would have done it. 
Uh, it's not a static point in time where if you didn't do it now, you're no longer at risk, or if you didn't actually complete the act of suicide, that you're no longer at risk. Um, people who constantly are dealing with negative emotion, whether it's anxiety or depression, are at higher risk, and particularly alcohol and drug use. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'll emphasize this for our churches or our you know, extended family groups, maybe family um, reunions, things like that. You see somebody that's not doing so well, it's likely you need to check in on them yeah. about where they are and uh, in churches when people come. I mean, I've experienced people coming to church drunk, and thankfully they found their way to the church, and that was a welcoming place. That doesn't mean when they leave they're not at risk. Mm-hmm. So to be able to ask the question about are you thinking about suicide extremely important, that's what we do so often in the community is just teach how to ask that question. The stigma of suicide touches not just those who think about suicide, but those who could potentially help. Yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, if you if you notice someone's not doing well, I think that a lot of times people are seclude themselves so much that they just wait for somebody to actually notice them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So sometimes all it takes is reaching out to them. Hey, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'd be surprised how honest people will be with you in that very moment because they haven't had anybody else ask them. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's so important to be aware. You know, sometimes we are a selfish people, right? Mm -hmm. We can be. And sometimes we're only focused on how we're feeling, how our lives, how our lives are going, how things are panning out for us. But it's so important for us. I mean, we were created to be in fellowship with one another. We were created to be with one another and to help one another and to walk alongside each other. Because, y'all, life is hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard for for all of us. You know, Mm -hmm. we all have times. And I think it's just important for us to be aware of our surroundings and notice that person that might just need a hand, you know. Um, So, yeah, let's, let's move on a little bit. We talked a lot about that. It was a really good conversation. So I want to move on to stigma, and I do, I want to believe at least that our generation is kind of, or like the current population right now is kind of moving toward breaking the stigma. I think it's a slow process, and I think obviously we're not 100% there, but I do feel like it's moving in that direction at least, or like the needle's moving a little bit. So let's just talk a little bit about stigma and um, how we can in our day-to-day walk help break those. Yeah, so one thing that I would, you know, use as just a very um, generalized and maybe even objective thought pattern here is if you had someone, let's say you have a, a friend or a family member that has diabetes and they require insulin because their body, you know, is not handling things properly, they needed, you know, either to take oral medications or to have a pump of some kind, would you ever look at those people and say, well, I can't believe that, you know, your body is not properly producing insulin and doing things the right way, handling sugar the right way. So you should just stop taking your medicine and get better. You know, you should just stop taking this because you're weak or that you're less than because you have to go to the doctor for this. You would never look at people that are dealing with that or someone that has cancer and saying, I cannot believe that you're going to the doctor and getting chemo treatment because you have cancer. Like, surely you should have more faith than that and you should just get better on your own, right? Like, we we don't look at people with a diagnosis of some kind of medical issue and stigmatize that, but it's wild that when we talk about the brain, 
that we somehow treat the brain like it is a superior organ that doesn't ever need help. You know, and the truth is our brain can be sick just like the rest of our body can be sick. And we have to realize that as a community, that just because someone's serotonin levels and dopamine levels and all those different chemicals that we've got, like that just because those aren't handling properly or things aren't firing properly in our brains, that doesn't make us less of a human or weak or that we don't have enough faith. It just means that we we're sick and we we need some help. And so I'll I'll just start there by saying that we've got to start having these conversations and normalizing that for people. Absolutely. And I think that just like you said, how many different chemicals are in our brain? I mean, and obviously, I always go back to like, this world's not perfect. We're not perfect. Like nothing is perfect. Obviously, we wish it was every day. But your chemicals can be off in your body. Your That includes your brain, right? Mm-hmm. So everything, it's just not perfect. So sometimes things get out of whack. And look, I will be the first to admit, and I have always tried... I've ever since this happened to me, I've always tried to be open and honest with people. So when my father passed in 2015 and it was completely, you know, um, out of the blue, it, it happened quickly and sporadically and our entire world just turned upside down in a matter of two hours. So when that happened, I kept myself extremely busy, did not deal with my emotions and my mental and behavioral health. I did not deal with at the time. I just kind of kept pressing forward. So it all kind of caught up to me later, and I realized that my chemicals were off mm-hmm. because I had pushed and pushed and pushed so long to to kind of get rid of those feelings. So I actually take a very low-dose antidepressant regularly, mm-hmm. um, and it has changed my life. Like mm-hmm. when I tell you, it has completely changed my life. And it took me a few doctor's visits to figure out what worked for me, right. what's best for me. But I, I'm open and honest about that because I feel like there's so many people that think, people have it together or that people are great, but you know, we all struggle. And I think it's really important to just be open and honest with other people and tell them. So yeah, I, I say go for it because it, like I said, completely changed my life and has improved my life and my, my mood. And, you know, I just am an advocate for it all day. So Glenn, you want to talk a little bit about stigma and how we can be better advocates of moving that needle forward? Yeah. It's, to me, it's hard to stigmatize a person who's experiencing life and so often it's just what we're experiencing life that puts us in its grief which you brought up Um, it is in many people the presence of a diagnosable mental illness but when you talk about one of the highest or, or most often used ways of killing oneself is with a firearm all you need is one weak moment and access to that means it doesn't require a long bout with mental illness or a compiling of circumstances to bring someone to that point. So <clears throat> if you're tempted to think any of those stereotypical things about someone that is considering suicide or has expressed suicidal thoughts or attempted, it's someone that's dealing with the same circumstances you're dealing with. They're just dealing with it in a different way. So I mentioned I mentioned the presence of mental illness earlier, and there's a large percentage of people who die by suicide that are diagnosable with depression. But most people with depression don't end up killing themselves. Uh, I think it's because they actually have access to a community of people who understand their unique needs, and that by moment by moment, 
the perception of life drives whether you want to continue living or not. And um, it's just the way I say it in trainings over and over is suicide is a permanent solution, quotes, in the mind of the person who's experiencing temporary circumstances. So if we can just help them get through the moment, then they're often safer and alive and then um, can get the help that they really need. Well, something you said that I just want to say again for the people in the back that may have been zoned out if you're driving or whatever you're doing, um, obviously focus on the road. But um, you shouldn't stigmatize someone who is experiencing life. So that was really powerful to me because obviously life looks different for each and every one of us every single day. And some days are really good and some days are really bad and some days are just all right. So that was really powerful. I'll give you an example because we minimize this a lot, but a breakup mm. for children or you know older children, teens, and adolescents. And if we've been through a few breakups, for us it's like a breakup, but it's just that moment in time where you feel utterly rejected, uh, cheated on, whatever that looks like for the kids these days, and you don't feel like life will ever be the same again in that moment. And we have to pay attention because it only takes the intent and the method and the opportunity for a suicide to occur. We have to interrupt that. Um, not looking at those circumstances the way we would go through them, but the way that that person is experiencing it. Right. Well, and we're all human, right? right. So with being human comes error, comes judgment, you know, misjudgment, uh, things, so many things that we are flawed with every day. But I think about the number of times I, in my human nature, have out of anger or or hurt or frustration said something that I didn't really mean. Mm-hmm. To me, it's very similar. If, you, if you're in that moment and it's it means everything to you right then and you do have a means right. to complete an act of suicide, it's, it's that, it could be that quick mm-hmm. for somebody. And I wonder, are there any statistics on the number of people who die by suicide that were undiagnosed, mentally ill or depressed or... You know, are there any stats on that specifically? Well, we we do know that one of the things we've said in many of our trainings is that undiagnosed depression is one of the number one reasons people are dying by suicide. Um, I, again, think it goes back to that stigma, right? And people are afraid to go to a counselor and they don't want to have a label put on them. They don't want to be labeled as depressed. They don't want to be labeled as bipolar or dealing with schizophrenia or whatever it would be they they're afraid of those things and so they just kind of hold back and they don't want to you know move forward and actually seeking help but absolutely we we believe that that is one of the number one you know contributors to suicide and I I want to echo what Glenn said too about you know suicide is not always premeditated it it can be it definitely is at times where people have thought about it for a while and they make plans but if you go through a training called counseling on access to lethal means or calm c-a-l-m it talks about how over 50 percent of attempts are actually made within 10 minutes of an acute crisis and so crisis happens something terrible and within 10 minutes of that moment, someone's made a suicide attempt, and that was not premeditated. It was very momentary and sudden, and so there are a lot of people that may be listening, and maybe you've lost somebody, and you've always asked, well, why? You know, why did this happen? 
and there's not always clear answers, but sometimes it, it really can be that just something really hard happened in a moment and someone made a, a permanent decision for a temporary problem, right? And that has permanent consequence. Wow. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot just sitting here at the table. So this is great information for anybody listening. So I hope that you're taking note um, and really soaking a lot of this in so that we can all be better advocates and, you know, um, better preventionalists, I guess. Um, and I also wanted to add, so Glenn said that most people who've been diagnosed with depression don't attempt or complete the act. Not all, obviously, but because a lot of times they have that network of people around them. And I feel like that's because they have been diagnosed. They've taken the step. Mm -hmm. So they've reached out, right? They've reached out to somebody, which means typically they'll reach out to somebody else and and create that group of people around them. But if you are struggling, if you're listening right now and you are struggling with depression or anxiety, um, because those two things go hand in hand, um, one before the other, sometimes at the same time, one after the other, uh, please reach out to somebody, whether that be I mean, whatever trusted individual in your life you feel like you can reach out to, if you don't have that person, the Positive Living Group would love to be that for you. So you can give us a call at 731-736-4400, or you can visit PositiveLivingGroup.com and request an appointment on the website. If you don't want to pick up the phone and call somebody, you can just fill out that quick form and we will call you and set that appointment with you. So moving on, I want to talk about warning signs of suicide. Um a lot of people are probably thinking, oh my gosh, what if I've missed signs of somebody and I haven't been able to be present for them? Um, So I want to talk about warning signs for anybody that might just want to know those and, you know, be aware. Absolutely. And I know Glenn would echo this, but it's sometimes really challenging to box people into a category. And so some of the things that I'll share and that Glenn will share, I mean, know that if you notice anything out of the ordinary, that's that's the first place to start is when you start to see abnormal behaviors with people that are different than their everyday life. So if you see people start to become more withdrawn and isolated, they're no longer really a part of that community that they've been in. It can be that they're no longer really taking care of themselves and poor hygiene habits can be a part of that. It can be really aggressive and irritable mood, Um, really any kind of mood swings of any kind, just feeling like they're, they're out of the ordinary. Or, you know, we've even seen cases where someone is traditionally a little bit more to themselves and secluded and all of a sudden they're the life of the party. And in, in those moments, it's kind of a, you know, a, a last stand, so to speak, where they're, you know, taking their final moments to live life in a positive way and, they have intent to to end their life. It can be everything from putting prize or giving away prized possessions, putting personal affairs in order. I mean, anything that you notice out of the ordinary, Glenn. I'd I'd love to hear from you know counseling therapist perspective what what you see as warning signs. Yeah, well, any diagnosed mental illness, um, you know, you need to check yourself and have people around you who are, who hold you accountable to caring for yourself. Um, the other thing would be a, a big one is alcohol and drug use. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's casual or social, but increases to drinking alone, things like that. Um, along with the social isolation and, 
depressed mood or we say high instance of negative emotions, so anxiety, um, obsessive behavior, compulsive behavior, things like that. Um, <clears throat> we have to uh, look for high risk-taking behavior. So every, every potentially deadly behavior is not with suicidal intent, but sometimes people decide they just don't care anymore, and so they'll put their life at greater risk, even if they're not expressing yeah. uh, direct intent to die at their own by, by their own cause. Right. So, well, and I think another important thing to talk about is that these symptoms can be a lot of different things, right? That's right. Just like any other sickness or illness. I mean, yeah. you know, anything from physical yeah. to mental. So that's why I think it's so important that we break the stigma because it needs to be a conversation that can easily be had between people because these symptoms could be so many different things. You don't want to look at any of these symptoms and think, oh, it's probably not that bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it could be that bad Mm -hmm. and you don't know because you're not in their body. You're not in their mind. You're not. So I think that's why it's so important that we break the stigma. That's why Suicide Prevention Month is so important. Um, If you are looking for things to share on your social media or you're looking for um, things to read up, read up on, um, the positive living groups, we were going to have posts every week, um, that come straight from the, um, National Association of Mental Health. Mm -hmm. And they've listed some great resources and I've put links in the posts that are scheduled that you can go and read up on. Um, so please check those out, share them, let other people know. That's one of the best ways you can be an advocate is just by sharing the message and letting other people know um, about the resources that are available here for people. So uh, the next conversation I kind of wanted to jump into was how would somebody approach the conversation? Because I know that that's like the next step in our conversation basically is how do I reach out to somebody? How do I start that conversation? Because it can be for someone who's never had that conversation before, it can be a little tricky and they're nervous Mm -hmm. to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. So how can they approach that? Yeah, um, I think there are a lot of different ways to approach a conversation. And one of the many things we say in our trainings is, you know, what you say is less important than the fact that you're saying something, the fact that you're reaching out and that you're at least initiating a conversation. Of course, there are some tips in how to approach that and the best practices and ways to do that. And so if you find that you know, it's a little bit easier for me to be less direct. You just start by saying, you know, have you been unhappy lately? Have things been seemingly going wrong lately? What, what's been going on with you? Just a a general open ended question. But one of my favorite ways to approach a conversation with somebody is to state the things that you see that lets them know that I see you, that I notice you, that you're not just kind of falling into the the shadows and remaining hidden. So going to that person and saying, you know, I've I've noticed that you're not showing up to work on time lately and I've noticed that you just kind of seem a little bit, you know, more lethargic in different ways and I've I've noticed that you don't seem to care about your schoolwork or whatever it would be that's out of the ordinary just saying I've noticed these things and sometimes when people are dealing with a lot of stress in their life they're thinking about suicide they're thinking about ending their life I'm curious has that been on your mind too you know just being willing to to state the things you see or if you're comfortable 
just asking the question. I think sometimes people will, people are afraid of saying the suicide word. And if, if it's hard for you to say the word suicide, then you can use a variation of saying, you know, are you thinking about taking your life or ending your life? Something that would be a little more comfortable coming out of your mouth, but just being willing to be direct about it can also be relieving because I think, you know, we're just, we're afraid of being direct sometimes and that that's very helpful. It's real tempting to to use other language that conveys a value, going back to the values. So indirect is great as long as you do come around to that direct yeah. question. Are you thinking about suicide or are you thinking about killing yourself, uh, especially for younger kids that may not understand suicide? Uh, but it's real tempting to say, are you thinking about doing something dangerous? Mm-hmm. What well, the person that's in a suicidal frame of mind, suicide mm-hmm. seems safe. So you've conveyed a value uh, judgment or are you thinking about doing something drastic or hurting yourself or dumb or stupid? Um, And you may think that sounds like you're um, being preventative, like conveying to them that's drastic or, or what have you. But the idea is to not editorialize, but ask the question directly without the chance to evade it. So uh, a person who maybe has hurt themselves before, it's okay to ask, are you thinking about hurting yourself? But the main thing is, are you thinking about killing yourself? And then from there, if if there's any indication, and the way I present it is, uh, if it's a no, you can probably believe it. But if it's a yes or anything else, raise your concern level a little bit, maybe go a little deeper. Well, and I just, you know, when you were saying there are other ways to say it, my first thought was, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Mm-hmm. But then, Glenn, you made a good point where they may be in pain and taking away that pain mm-hmm. in their mind may be, I'm thinking about taking the hurt away. Right. So that may not be a good way. You know, like exactly. like Glenn said, make sure that at some point you try to get back to that very specific question so that you can get them the help that they need. Yeah, um, yeah all these are great. Um, for anybody interested in or for anybody that needs to know any everybody should need to know honestly everybody should need everybody needs to know how to have that conversation and how to how to get that topic of conversation flowing so we can break down these walls and break down the stigma so Lindsay let's get into a little bit of what TSPN is doing this month um, where can we find meetings for people that want to get involved in TSPN um, those kind of things yeah absolutely um, I'm going to kind of make make it both um, about events and meetings and things of that nature, but also talk about resources that are available. Because, you know, when we're talking about how do I approach the conversation, well, then what do I do if I get somebody saying yes? You know, so first and foremost, if you want to learn more in general about what we do and how to get more connected, how to be more involved then, you know, joining our monthly meetings. Glenn mentioned earlier that we are a public-private organization, so we rely heavily on networking connections, you know, kind of bringing all people to the table and creating a team that is really passionate about this. And so we meet the third Wednesday of every month at Behavioral Health Initiatives, and so that's off of Executive Drive. It's 15 Executive Drive in Jackson, Tennessee. So we'd be happy to have any new folks show up that would be interested in just being a part of it. You don't have to be a a counselor or a therapist to be a part of it. 
but anybody that has a passion or that has a story for um for us we we would love to have you be a part of that and then as far as upcoming events i kind of touched on one earlier about the sign campaign that we've been doing every year this year we're going to do it on friday september 23rd so that'll be um at behavioral health initiatives as well that's 15 executive drive well we will make some signs and we'll go out and we'll find busy intersections that people are you know going through at lunch we'll have a couple of different groups go between 11 and 1 and then 4 and 6 where we're just holding up signs because I don't know about you but if you drive down the road and you see somebody holding up a, a sign in the air it's like look. I want to know what it You're says you know I, I have to look even if I don't know what it is I'm going to look that way and so that's kind of the message we're just wanting to get out some different messages of hope and decreasing stigma raising mental health awareness and so we're going to have that going on Friday, September 23rd. And if you would like to get in touch with me personally and you want to learn a little bit more about some of these things or if you have questions, you can reach me on my cell at 629-333-4985. So 629-333-4985. That's my work cell number. My email address is lcar, so L. C-A-R-R at T-S-P-N.org. I would love to email with you and tell you more about these things, but getting into some of the resources, just to jump back to that really quick if we can, um, it's just, you know, if if I'm talking to somebody right now in this moment or if I'm planning to talk to someone and I need to know where to go, um, a couple of things that I want to share with you guys. First is that we recently had the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline transition to 988. And so instead of having to remember 1-800-273-8255, thankfully for those of you that are listening that have never heard that number, you don't have to remember that number. That's good <laughs> news for you. It's 988, and just like you would call 911 for a, a physical emergency of some kind, you would call 988 in a mental health crisis or a suicide crisis. So calling that prevention lifeline is super great. If you have people that are willing to text, but they're not willing to talk, you can text the letters TN to 741741. That's a text line that has crisis responders that are part of that. You can also call mobile crisis providers and call different um, agencies that have crisis lines in the area. Obviously, Katie will give you a little bit more about PLG and what we're doing here in Jackson with Positive Living Group. Um, but those are some numbers that are really, really great to reach out to. Um, if you are not in the Jackson area and you're listening to this, you can also Google mobile crisis near me and you can find out the different provider in your area. In Southwest, we have Quinco. Um, professional counseling services, PCS, and um, Pathways. So those are the three different mobile crisis providers in our area. But definitely suggest that you get um, get people connected and connected to resources. There are a lot of churches that have counselors that are on staff. So if you're not comfortable going to a counselor um, you know, outside of church, you can also find a lot of pastoral counseling uh, staff that are available as well just finding what's what's in your community and obviously visit tspn.org to find out some resources that you can print out or that you can look at just for reference it's very very helpful katie you should tell them about positive living group what, yeah. what do y'all have to offer i will so you know 
Lindsay brought up so many great resources and, you know, so many great ways for you to help people in need or help yourself because it's very important to help yourself as well. Um, so the things I'll share with you, so Positive Living Group, like most of you know that are listening, hopefully some of you are new and you are just now learning. So like I said, we're a mental behavioral health clinic right here in Jackson that sees people as young as three years old to senior adults. We're open seven days a week for convenience, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and weekend availability by appointment only. Um, and then we also accept most major forms of insurance or so an affordable option. So we also offer your general talk therapy um, we do offer Christian counseling here as well. If someone's interested in that, Glenn is one of our counselors that does Christian counseling. Um, obviously, we have um, forms of counseling that are not religious in any aspect for those of you that do not wish to seek that. Um, we offer those cutting edge things like EMDR, bioneurofeedback. We even have someone that does hypnotherapy and Reiki, which is really cool if you want some holistic practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so many things. And again, you can find more about Find out more information about us at PositiveLivingGroup.com. You can also request an appointment there or give us a shout at 731-736-4400. Lindsay, Emily, and Glenn had to go. (laughs) But Glenn had um, a client that he had to go um, see. So very appreciative of you guys coming out and talking with us. I can't thank you enough um, to share these resources with the community. I'm so excited to post this episode because I know that it's going to educate people and inform people because I feel more woke on the topic just sitting (laughs) here. So I'm very appreciative. And is there anything else you want people to know? Yeah. I just want to emphasize again, that if you are experiencing these things, if you personally are listening and you're like, man, that's me, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to seek help. It's okay to reach out. Um, I had a really powerful moment yesterday training a teen council, and there was one student that was brave enough to speak up, and the moment that she spoke up, it was like two or three others just start, you know, saying, that's me, me too, me too, me too. Um, it, it's more normal than you think. There are a lot of people that are dealing with these things, and it's it's not um, as stigmatized as you may realize. It, it's very normal. So don't be afraid to get help. I'm just thankful that, Katie, you would bring us on and give us the opportunity to talk. And if you want to get connected, again, reach out to me via cell phone or email. I'd be be happy to connect. Awesome. Well, and as Glenn and I said in one of his podcast episodes, seeking help is not weakness. It's one of the strongest things you can ever do is to actually reach out and seek help for yourself. So just wanted to reiterate that as well. So reach out today to TSPN or the Positive Living Group. If if you are listening and say, hey, I really need help, please don't hesitate to reach out. We want to be here as a resource to you guys. Um, and so West Tennessee, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the week. And take care. We'll see you next time.